Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Joining me on the phone, it is Katrina Leskinich. Uh, you know her better as Katrina from Katrina and the Waves. And she has a new album called Hearts, Love, and Babies. It came out on August 28th, and it is actually, actually quite a piece of work. It is so much fun. You've got the uh, first single, Drive, which I just love. And of course, second single, I Want to Love Again. So we'll get over to uh, Katrina in a second. But before that, here is the one and only Sir Alan Niven. Bonjour. Bonjour, monsieur. Yes. So welcome to uh, to this episode of Rock Talk. We are, we are doing sort of one a week these days, but... Uh, do you have any connection to to Katrina and Katrina and the Waves? Because here here's the funny thing: for a while, they were opening up for Metallica. That it was a bill because they were before Walking on Sunshine. They were sort of a a, a postmodern punk rock, you know, in your face kind of thing, and they they went out with Metallica. Did did you cross paths at all with Katrina or know them other than the video in the song? Uh, no, never crossed paths with them. But the one thing I will say, and, uh, you know, this is obviously self-evident, but Walking on Sunshine was one of those songs that you connected to the very first time you heard it. And it just had a vibe and an energy to it that was uh, just magnificent. I, I, I love that pop song. Every now and then, yeah. in, you know. I have a sweet tooth, and and you got to use that. Definitely qualifies as that. Definitely qualifies as stimulating my pop sweet tooth. Yeah. Um, I'll even admit that there's uh, an ABBA track that I think is a perfect single. It's called SOS, and it is so well constructed and so well performed, um, and it's really cool. Um, guilty pleasures. Yeah, and what's what's interesting is this episode comes on the heel of the Frankie Sullivan one where we were talking about Eye of the Tiger. So we, we're doing Eye of the Tiger, we're doing Katrina and the Waves. Uh, you know, there, there are just some songs that just sort of stand out. What I what I need for the next episode is to get those guys right, said Fred, and talk about I'm too sexy. I think that's my next <laughs> my next mission. Maybe. Oh, that's when I resign. <laughs> you know, you want to hear right said, Fred? Um, before nah, we, I'll pass on that one. Before we uh, we uh, head over to uh, to Katrina, who, by the way, uh, when my daughter was born uh, 17 years ago, Katrina was one of the first to uh, to send a, a, a note. She sent out a little note saying, "Hey, you know, congratulations." So I've known her for for many many years. But uh, let us talk UFO uh, deep dive. You know, for for years and years and years, we have heard Eddie Trunk talk about how UFO is the most underrated band and they deserve to be better. And and, and I've always sort of held them at arm's length. Yes, I know Dr. Doctor. Yes, I know Lights and Rock Bottom and, you know, so on and so forth. But other than that, um, the UFO in my collection up until recently was either stuff that was gifted to me or promo copies that were given to me. And yes, I did listen to them, but I just sort of, you know, whatever. And I finally said, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to listen to the entire Chrysalis Records collection from 19, whatever, 74, 75 to 86, 87. And, and it's been 
an absolute marvel. And so uh, I actually uh, emailed Eddie and I said, hey, you know what? You were right. But here's the fun thing about discovering a band like UFO or any band after, you know, after it's all said and done in a sense, is that you can listen to all the albums without any bias, without any expectations. Uh, they have one called Misdemeanor. And uh, I, I played it and I loved it and I thought it was just like great, you know, sort of like a crazy, crazy night's kiss kind of thing, a sort of a pop rocky kind of thing. And then I go on the list and on the internet and I see worst albums, uh, you know, best best to worst lists uh, of UFO. And then I see Misdemeanor at the bottom. I'm going, what, 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 what's wrong with this album? And I even spoke to Eddie about it and he goes, well, it's too, it's too, you know, poppy. And it's like, yeah, but, but that's great. I, I, I like pop rock. I like melodic rock. What's wrong? Anyway, so that's, that's the fun thing of being a fan afterwards is that you can listen to these albums and and make up your mind just on how the songs make you feel rather than oh man it's not it's not another doctor doctor therefore it sucks and anyway so that was my uh, my speech on on UFO and uh, you were right as well Mr. Allen there is a song called Love to Love and as I went through with my first couple of passes on the on the deep dive with you know hundreds of songs in front of me that one didn't stand out and then um, I added it to my playlist because that's what I do and it came into the headphones as I was walking the dog and I think I was walking by the cows and, and the field and the space in my head just filled up with that guitar playing and, so, and it, was, it was just, it was glorious. Yeah. It was absolutely yeah. glorious. So go ahead. UFO. Real simple, in a nutshell, if you don't have UFO, you just go and buy one record and it's called Lights Out and it is a truly terrific record from start to finish. And the other thing I'd say is um, part of the idiocy of musical appreciation is micro genres. And, you know, people saying, well, it's not hard enough. I mean, there was a band around once who would have a song like Martha, My Dear, Next to Helter Skelter. And we could enjoy both, you know? Absolutely. Um, it's just, does the song convince? Does the performance convince? And there's, uh, um, on that Lights Out, uh, UFO did something that I thought was extraordinary, unpredictable, and beautiful when they did a cover of Love's Alone Again and did a brilliant job with it. I know. Um, and the funny and thing is, I thought it was a Dawkins song. If you song. don't know the band... Yeah, and if you don't know the band Love, go check out the band Love. An extraordinary talent there. Oh, absolutely. And and there's another one on that album that I skipped in my first run-through of all these songs, because, I mean, I literally have, like, 200 songs in front of me, was one called Electric Phase. And that one, too, I just went, meh. And then it hit me in the headphones as I'm walking outside, and it fills up the space, and you go, ooh, that's kind of cool. All right. So it's a great band, but it's... Uh, well, there's, a, there's, there's, there's another, another thing for me about UFO. Um, the guitar player has a certain rep, rep, reputation of being um, not entirely predictable in a professional working circumstance. Correct. Put it delicately. Yes. And I almost... Uh, produced an MSG record back in the day, um, got to the point of uh, 
working working on the demos, putting notes together about the demos, sitting with uh, Robin and Michael, and I got a phone call from someone who will have to remain nameless, but they were an unimpeachable reference. And they said to me, Niv, don't do it. Michael will break your heart. And I went, ooh, ouch. Okay, well, then maybe I won't. Um, but one person who did manage to work with him was, and it made a big impression on me that he was able to work with Michael Schenker was a guy called Mike Fink. And my thinking was, well, if he can work with Michael Schenker, he might just survive my little band of street brats called Guns N' Roses. And he did. And he did a bang up job. Listen, terrific job. One of the greatest debut albums uh, ever. Anyway, the, the, it's been it's been fun to discover that, and I've also gone that extra way of discovering the Michael Schenker Fest stuff that he's done in the last two three years, and the Temple of Rock stuff that he did. I guess around 2010, 12, 13, 14. You know, he did he did the three four albums there too, and and it's marvelous. And and what I noticed, and what I had never noticed really before, is. Yes, he plays guitar all over the place and it, it fills up space and stuff, but there's a lot of um, melodic sensibilities to it. I mean, they really are sort of, um, and people might hate me for saying this, but but they're like pop songs with the guitars turned up on 11. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're very well-constructed melodic hard rock songs. I, I could see a, a Def Leppard or a Bon Jovi or anybody take one of these songs maybe not with the same guitar prowess and, and be able to, you know, rock him up because he's got mm-hmm. this. I always thought of, of Schenker as, or when I hear, Oh, a guitar got, I go, Oh God, it's going to be these, you know, jack off kind of record guitar, you know, bumblebee stuff. And then you hear the Schenker stuff and you go, Oh, Oh, these are actually well-crafted songs. And Oh, Robin McCauley can sing like a mother. Oh, Graham Bonnet can sing like a mother. And you're like, oh, huh. Oops, I guess I shouldn't have missed this. But hey, listen, when you're a Kiss fan, they take up so much of your life. You just don't have time to let other be, other people in. Right? There are deprogramming places available for <laughs> uh, dealing with that circumstance. I'll send you a couple of links. But uh, yeah, anyway, the, uh, I've discovered a lot of bands afterwards, especially the European ones like Gothard, like Thunder and all. And it's just, it's interesting, like I said, and I'll, I'll repeat, it's just interesting to not have that bias or those expectations and go, oh, I'm disappointed that it's not the album I wanted it to be. And you just go back and you go, wow, why is everybody complaining? This this is kind of fun and misdemeanor. Well, why- not, not, not only that, but... You know, there are so few records put out now that are worth listening to. Um, you know, <laughs> go back and discover some old ones that maybe you missed. Uh, absolutely. Quite a few of them. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll finish on this. Uh, there was one reviewer, and I'm trying to think because I, I looked up the list, uh, best albums uh, for just, just to sort of situate myself. And it might have been Louder or Classic Rock. Anyway, one of them wrote, they said, Misdemeanor is so bad it should have been titled Felony. And I went, hey, <laughs> I, went, I went, hey, no, it's good. It's like Kiss's Crazy Nights, except it's UFO's Crazy Crazy Nights. Anyway, uh, 
Hearts, Love, and Loves, plural, and Babies, is the new Katrina from Katrina and the Waves album. Drive and I Want to Love Again are the first two singles. The videos are on YouTube. Go check them out. I guarantee it is not what you're expecting. You're going to go, wow, this kind of, this is, this, this rocks. So uh, let's rock with Katrina. Here is Katrina. We are speaking with uh, Katrina from uh, Katrina and the Waves. The new album out August 28th, of course, was or is Hearts, Loves, and Babies. And as we say here in Montreal, le bonjour, Katrina. How are you? Well, bonjour to you too, Mitch, and all your listeners. I'm very, very well. You're like a, a an old friend of mine now. It's always nice to be able to have the opportunity to chat with you, see how things are going your uh, side of the world yes on, well. on, on this side of the pond it's going well i mean uh, when we talk about the whole covid thing they said that montreal and quebec is the seventh <laughs> deadliest place in the world right now so it's like oh okay but great I'm so sorry yeah but, uh, but i'm out i'm on the outside so okay well keep clear and just stay in your own little enclave yep. and if you venture out you know the drill mask sanitizer blah 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 Actually, the drill is uh, send my wife out to the grocery store. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> see, I, I have the the advantage that she works at a Costco, so she can pick up. Anyway, uh, but oh, but perfect. but that said, when I say you know uh, bonjour for Montreal, you you are of course very accustomed to the word bonjour and, and Montreal and Canada because. Uh, and before we get into the new album, let us just talk about the association with Katrina and Katrina and the Waves in Canada. This was sort of the place that got you first, where where the album sort of came out first, the, the first album where where you built up a, a following. You toured here extensively in eighty three, eighty four. Just quickly let people know a little bit about the the connection with you know Canada and and what it meant to you. Uh, here we are in twenty twenty. This, this this you know forty years ago. This was the hot spot for you. Yeah, sure. I mean. After I graduated from high school and did my stint as a dishwasher at the Chow Hall at the uh, an Air Force base here in England, um, you know, I got in the band, was in Katrina and the Waves for about five years. And, you know, it was just a dream to get signed by somebody. Our manager went to Medem, which is in France. It's sort of the equivalent of the Cannes Film Festival, but it's a music festival where a lot of uh, record company executives will go and they will sign. So our manager went there and she managed to get a deal with Al Mayer and Attic Records. And Attic Records were based in Ottawa. And I mean, we were just over the moon to have a deal with a with a label. And we recorded two albums for Attic Records. We were signed in 83 and then when we were eventually signed by Capitol Records, we pretty much took those first two Attic Records and and uh, made almost like a best of. And that was our first Capitol Records. But, I mean, we used to go from the East Coast to the West Coast and back again of Canada. And we absolutely loved it, man. You know, just in the, the Ram van and just kind of going along, we had the coonskin caps. And it was just so, it was so much fun. We would go from one blizzard to a dust storm to dodging tumbleweeds out west. And, you know, it was, I think it would be fair to say probably our fondest memories of being in the music business. Because it's kind of before 
all hell broke loose and we had a hit with uh with walking on sunshine in 85 and that's my family's story yeah. and i still love it i would love to I would love to come out and do some, some more shows work in Canada. L- yeah. L- let me sure. just uh, before we move on, I'll just I just want to quickly ask you about how Attic Record treated you because at the time they were very much focused on hard rock and heavy metal. At the time, they had Lee Aaron signed as you know the Metal Queen. They had Anvil signed. They had the Killer Dwarf signed. They had Gatto signed. I mean, it was sort of heavier rock. How did they foresee what Katrina and the Waves were going to be? Because you know, Walking on Sunshine is definitely a a fun pop song, for the lack of a better word, but but there was a bit of a of a punky vibe before you got to that. Did they see you as a rock metal punk band that they were going to develop, or did they say, "Hey, you're 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 a cute, fun kind of, of of lady. Let's let's go with that." How did that that work for you in terms of imaging and and sound? They thought we were eclectic. They actually thought we were sort of new wavy. The guy who was in in who was responsible for us was called Ralph Alfonso. And he had kind of a really bizarre taste in music. You have to remember that Walking on Sunshine was not a quintessential Katrina and the Waves song. It sounds very weird to say that right now, but it was one of, it was on its own. You know, Mitch, we didn't have any other songs like Walking on Sunshine. It was kind of a novelty song that Kimberly Rue wrote because he loved the Supremes. It's kind of got that you can't hurry love beat. But even when we were signed with Attic, uh, it wasn't. It didn't stand out as a single. We were playing much more weirder stuff like Spider Man and Red Wine and Whiskey, Kate Quiero, um, Do You Want Crying, and a lot of our stuff when we played live, especially, it was very rock. I mean, we had the loudest drummer in. We we did some shows with. Uh, um, Oh, Metallica. And these guys said, you know, we thought we were loud. You guys are the loudest band we've ever heard. And Kimberly Rue on his his twin reverb cranked up to 11 with a spiky um, Stratocaster would just blow your head off. And I was always a very, very loud singer. Vince had the full Ampeg stack rack. And... Uh, I mean, that was us, just kind of noisy, bit grubby, bit garage. And I think they embraced it and they liked us. When Capital signed us, then they were like, hey, you guys are going to be like the Beach Boys and like Chrissy Hind with a smile and like, you know, the monkeys and zany. When Walking on Sunshine broke, we used to do photo sessions and want to be kind of sulky and moody, which is what we were naturally with sunglasses, Ray-Bans, and black turtlenecks. And these photographers would be saying, hey, come on, you guys, aren't you walking on sunshine? We were like, no, actually, we're not. (laughs) We did not enter into the spirit of the song. That was all kind of a little bit foisted. I mean, even the, the, the video, which was for Walking on Sunshine, which was shot at the east end of London on a very, very cold, month of february we are absolutely freezing but it's, it was like a 300 pound budget video and even on that we're not that joyous i mean i happen to be smiling because i think one of the band was mooning me or something but otherwise it is in a graveyard <laughs> i rest my case well what a what a video and uh, just before i move on to hearts love and babies explain this thing you said you opened for metallica so how did that bill come together, and how many shows are we talking? And and because that that 
you know, on a 2020 perspective looks kind of bizarre, but I guess in 82, 83, 84 makes perfect sense. Well, how many shows did you open for Metallica? I know it was insane. I think three, because <laughs> obviously we didn't last very long. And then I, I think we were dropped from from that tour and picked up by, believe it or not, the Beach Boys. And then at one point we were on this massive tour with Wham!, the Pointer Sisters and Shaka Khan, which we were much, much better suited to. I don't know what anybody was thinking. I mean, I don't even think you could find a poster or any evidence of it's just been uh, history's been rewritten. And uh, any any time you see the name Metallica and Katrina and the Waves together, I think will be uh, on the back of a flying pig. Well, it's going to be in the show notes. I can tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> that that is for sure. It's, uh, that, I'm going to put that right up there because that that's fascinating. And I must say, the uh, Katrina and the Waves uh, Wham bill uh, that must have been spectacular. You know, Wham is is definitely underrated with rock fans. They they delivered real slick uh, pop tunes or whatever. And and you know, God rest uh, George uh, Michael's soul. Um, yeah, yeah, best so, tour ever. That one best tour another great tour was with don henley because he'd just broken with the album that had dirty laundry and boys of summer and oh my god he was slick we learned an awful lot from don and don would always say to me look when you record a song put it in the highest register you possibly can because and and you think of his voice in boys of summer after the boys of, i mean he's right on the edge there isn't he so that's exactly what he did, because he said it would make it more exciting. Listen, he knows, and Boys of Summer, all-time classic. All right, so let, let uh, us get over to Hearts, Love, and Babies. Uh, for folks that aren't aware or haven't been following the career, what kind of album is this? I mean, for me, it's a pure rock album. You listen to a song like Crazy Mama or I Want to Love Again, which is the recent single, or Every Step. Those are great sort of classic rock songs right i mean they're they're great you know modern rock i wanted it to rock i love playing live and i love just bashing out a good old-fashioned noisy rock song and when i was writing the album for the up-tempo songs i was thinking now how's this going to work for live how's this going to work okay cool we'll have a breakdown here and then we got to have a searing guitar solo here there's some really, really good guitar work, very, very fancy finger finger work from Darren Loveday, who is a guy I've been in a band with now longer than I was ever with uh, the boys in the waves. And so we work really, really well together. And um, he's just he's a very, very talented guitar player. He's left handed. So it, he, it always looks very strange to me, but he's a very, very elegant player. And so the songs on the album. Hearts, Loves, and Babies. It just, it, it it went all introspective, Mitch. I mean, I couldn't help myself. I turned 60, and then all of a sudden, I'm like nostalgic and kind of looking back and digging deeper on some issues, some emotional things, instead of just kind of uh, skimming the surface and writing about silly things. I mean, there's plenty of that on the album. Of course, the song, my first single, Drive, is just about just a total boredom of not being able to be the driver you know i can't stand to sit in the passenger seat i think it has a lot to do with me just being a little bit of a control freak <laughs> and an aries 
And if, if somebody's driving me to a gig, then I'll say, I'll even emotionally blackmail them. And I'll say, listen, you know, I think I'm going to get really nervous if I can't drive uh, and it might affect my performance. So I even get my way by hook or by crook. But it's uh, I, I, I wanted the album to be I went to the Lower East Side and I was working with a guy who has played quite a bit with Blondie. His name is Jimmy Bones. And I said, Jimmy, come on, let's make like a Blondie style record. We're here in the Lower East Side. Well, sure. We, you know, we made some recordings. We partied a lot. We stayed out late. We were drinking beers. We were laughing. We were having a good time. I brought the album back to London. It was practically unlistenable. <laughs> so, okay, I had a lot of fun, but that was a complete waste of time. So then I had to kind of calm myself down. Remember that I'm 60 years old and uh, make a, a, a suitable record that still had the energy, but that you could actually listen to without tearing the headphones off and saying, I can't bear, bear another minute of this screaming. Listen, it, it it turned out real uh, real great. I think I, you know you you hear that first single drive, and I even posted it on my uh, in, not Instagram, but on my uh, socials, I should say. And Ooh. folks, folks were writing back, going, "Wow, I'm real surprised that this is, this actually rocks. This is kind of cool." So, you know, I, I think they get an image of you know rocking on sunshine, and they expect something to be sort of poppy and fun, and and then you hear these songs, and you go, "Wow, okay, this this is a serious yeah, rock I, album." I mean, that's right. But the, I have had so many people say, wow, drive. It's like it's like a, the way you sounded in Katrina and the Waves. And I'm like, well, it's the same singer. It might be 137 years later. But uh, I mean, I love high energy pop. I love kind of Euro pop, pop rock, whatever you want to call it. And I just I wanted that song to just kind of rock, you know, from that first <laughs> guitar to uh you know just like i i just wanted hooks galore like okay here you go resist this you can't uh in terms of <laughs> you can't in terms of promoting an album in this uh, day and age or in this context we we have the whole covid thing we touched upon it briefly uh, normally the album comes out you go on tour and you 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 know you work the songs live and people come out and everybody's happy you go on the cruises and and you do the you know the meet and greets at the at the breakfast line. Uh, what do you do on this one now? I mean, okay, we're going to do some interviews, we're going to do some press, but how do you bring these songs alive and get them to people that may not listen to me or may not listen to whatever BBC One or what's the what's the plan? I'm counting on guys like you, Mitch. Yeah, well. I'm counting on. I'm I'm sitting here. I'm in my apartment in London, and I'm talking to people on the phone. And I'm just hoping that they're going to dig the record. It's kind of as simple as that. You know, normally you would write a, an album, record an album, promote an album, tour an album. And the whole promotion thing is now just kind of being done from the practically the luxury of my bed. You know, and it's it's kind of like that. It's a different story. The promotion used to be so much fun because you didn't have any pressure of kind of having to perform because the performing can get somewhat relentless, but the promotion was always the fun bit where you could drink a lot. No, <laughs> and you know, just talk to people about your records, stay in nice hotels and you know, oh, it's just, life is great. And now it's just, it's from home, but yeah, you know what? I don't really care. I, I, I don't really care. I know eventually we're going to get back out there. It may not be this year. It may not be next year. But 
you know, it'll happen eventually. And, you know, as long as we can count on the good graces of guys like you to help us out, to listen to our new music, you know, and not just play the old stuff, to give an artist a chance. You know, with every passing year for me, my chances become slimmer of being able to attract the attention of people just because, and I understand it myself, I wasn't interested in any old fogies when I was small. I wanted, you know, young records and a young vibe. But I mean, the demographic of the world, we're all getting older. So I think I'm just going to be able to slide in there just in time to get a couple more years into the business before I have to full-blown retire. But, wow. you know... Well, we don't want Turner you to retire. No retiring, but... Uh, I know. Actually, Tina Turner didn't retire until she was 65. So I'm thinking, okay, I'll give it yeah. five more years. We'll see how it goes. God willing. Well, let me ask you about, about retirement and farewell tours. You know, a lot of bands, you know, whether it's uh, Thunder in the UK or the Scorpions or Kiss or the Who, they all have these farewell tours, and then they sit around and they go... Yeah, I kind of miss playing, and they go back out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and it's, just, it's just the way it is. Is that something that you think that if you say officially and make it official and say, I'm going to retire on whatever, July 31st, 2021, and I'm done, do you think you'll miss it? I mean, is there still a joy in strapping on a guitar and standing behind a mic and, and sweating under the lights? Is there still a, or, or making a record like Hearts, Love, and Babies, is there is there still a joy? Or are you at that point where it's, ugh, it's a bit of a job and I sort of got to do it? But like, wh where are we in terms of sort of the, the romanticism of, of the whole process? Well, I feel like I'm just beginning. I feel like I'm 23 inside. I feel very, very excited about this album because I feel like it's my best effort yet as a solo artist. I feel like it's a joke when people say that they're going to retire. Retire from what? Getting up on stage and doing the funnest job in the world, screaming your head off and playing, turning a guitar up as loud as you possibly can. I mean, that's, it's insane. It's, it's, it, there's nothing to retire from. And I will continue to do this until a nearest and dearest says to me, I think it's time to stop. Or there's some sort of health intervention that keeps me from doing it. But isn't it the worst idea in the world for a musician, a rock musician to retire? Who, who, who needs to do that except for it to be a ploy? You know, like to get, it's almost like you're sort of emotionally blackmailing your audience or your fans by saying, well, you know, you better come and see me now because it could be le your last chance. <laughs> well, <laughs> listen. When somebody comes to my shows, I use it. Th there's a few of the farewell tours where I'm pretty sure it was just a marketing angle because, okay, you know, yeah. like a, a year later they're back and you're like, oh, we missed it. It's like, but you toured last summer. How, really? You missed it in eight months? Really? Like. <laughs> Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. You know, and and you know what the the thing about a an artist, like you said, you don't have to retire. You know, a sportsman, whether he's a soccer player or football in 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 the UK or a hockey player, at some point the body gives up, and the younger kids yep. are just faster, and you have to retire. Yeah. And yet, yep. we look at them and we go, "Wow, Wayne Gretzky gave me ten years. I'll never. He's the best hockey." And and, yeah. and and you look at Mick Jagger and B.B. King and Gene Simmons and yourself, and you've given us 30, 40, in some yeah. cases, 50 years of your lives. 
<laughs> I mean, how how do you not celebrate that? And how do you walk away? I, I don't see how you give 50 years of your life and then say, oh, I'm just going to walk away. No, of course not. Well, well, okay. Well, let's not. Yes. Let's agree to not do that. You know, what, what are you going to do in retirement? Sit there and think about how fun it would be if you had a show tonight? Nah. No, like I said, it'll have to be a forced retirement. I'll have to, you know, be carried off stage. But I won't carry on it if I can't sing and if it's starting to look like I'm uh, way past it. But in the meantime, I'm still going to be kicking ass. Yes, and, and that's what this album does. Now, before we, we, we wrap up and stuff, I, I got to talk about Peggy Loves London and Metropoodle, My Cornwall. These are two books that feature your dog. So first of all, just quickly talk to me about, about your relationship with dogs. And I mean, in, in the sense that, is it sort of, you know, the whole animal rights thing and I'm, I'm crazy about dogs? And, or is it just, hey, I love my dog and I just wanted I just to share. I love my dog. Right, okay. Yeah, I just, I, I just love my dog and it was so much easier. I, want, I love my city. I love living in London, England, and I wanted to share that as well. But I didn't want to be the dirty ham in the photos. Like, here's my favorite pub. Here's my favorite coffee shop. And I thought, get the poodle. Come on, poodle, you do it. You're much cuter. The poodle's the eye candy. I don't need to do it. And it was just a fun project to do one for London and then do one for Cornwall, which is on the southwest of uh, England. It's very, very beautiful, very, very rugged countryside, very rock and roll. It's very, very cool. So I thought, okay, well, I'll make a, 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 a book about Cornwall as well. And the other thing with the lockdown is that we don't have, we have to make videos, you know, and we don't have a lot to work with. So I'm kind of seeing it and I'm looking at the poodle saying, right, got to make a video. What am I going to do? Okay, poodle, energy. And if your listeners get a chance to have a look on YouTube, have a look at the video for Drive and the video for I Want to Love Again, and the poodle is heavily featured, and she's a total rock star. She's very, 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 very much the rock star. I actually have the video for I Want to Love Again uh, on the screen in front of me right now. And, and you know, you and I share this in common because, uh, you know, I, with my socials, I always have to talk about rock music, rock music. And every so often, I break the monotony of that, and I put up, you know, I'm walking, whatever, and it's always the picture of my dog. You know, here's my here's the dog in the field with the cows. Here's the dog in the field. Because I'm not going to do a selfie of like, hey, everybody, look at me walking by the farm. Look at my face. No. So I just throw up I a know. picture. See? Right? See? I, I mean, you know, it, uh, I'd much rather look at a dog. Always. Always. People's dogs are fascinating. Yes. They're lovely creatures. They're, they're lovely they're creatures. Always, yeah, they're just brilliant. And uh, since since you started off with Attic Records in Ottawa, you need to come and do a poodle book in Cornwall, Ontario, east of Ottawa. Okay, okay, <laughs> Lumber Lumbertown, yeah, yeah, um, awesome. I'm in. Sounds fascinating. It, oh, it's 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 terrific. Now, in terms of of new music, do you sort of have a a, a plan in mind where you say, okay, this one 2020, let's start writing for another one in 2022, or do you just sort of sit there and go, you know what? When it hits me, it hits me. And if it's in one year, five years, ten years, it'll be what it'll be. The second one. I mean, honestly, it was six years since my last effort. And I couldn't believe it when somebody... I said, well, when I made my last record a couple of years ago, and somebody said, six. I said, what? Six years ago. I said, never. You know what happens, Mitch, is that you just keep touring, keep playing, keep partying, keep screaming your head off on stage, having a blast, and then conscience taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, it's time to get creative. 
you haven't come up with anything new for ages. You know, you can't just be walking on sunshine the whole time. And that's when you sort of think, oh, okay, right. There's another, there's another level to this career and it takes a bit more guts, patience, ugh, and everything it takes to sit down and try and write a great song. And I know once I do, the, the thing that stops me from doing it is fear that I won't be able to deliver anything. But if you don't sit down to try you won't have the fails, but you won't have the successes either. And it feels really good to create. You know, it's it's good for human beings. And I feel a, such a sense of accomplishment. But 2022, 20, an album? Nah, forget about it. Maybe. <laughs> and, and by the way, Blissland was, re- was released on August 19th, 2014. So you're really like six years almost to the day. Wow. Between releases, I know, right? August 28th, 2020 on this one. Um, All right, let me just, and and I'll finish on this. You you mentioned, you know, uh, Walking on Sunshine and stuff, but you could theoretically uh, go on the cruises, go on tour and say, hey, it's Katrina featuring uh, Walking on Sunshine and, and, you know, play 10, 12 songs and just Mm -hmm. do that and and live off the past and and not have Mm -hmm. to be creative. Um, what sort of inspires you to stay creative, to make a new statement, to have a new record and say, hey, wait a minute. Yes, I had a great success with Walking on Sunshine. Yes, I could sit here and probably play it seven times in a row and you'd probably clap just as loud all seven times. But why say, hey, okay, you know what? That's great. But I need to say Crazy Mama. I need to want to love again. I need holiday. I need these new tunes. Well, that would be resting on my laurels. And I think it's really bad for people to get too complacent because then the boredom starts to kick in and you start creating too much drama around just a, like a little situation, like touring or something. If you've got a new record, you're kind of, it makes you fresh and it makes you vulnerable because you are putting yourself out there again to be judged. And so you don't get to just sit back and everybody goes, oh, Walking in the Sunshine, I love that song. Or, oh, you won the Eurovision Song Contest with Love Shine White. Oh, I love that song. And da, da, da. You, you know, you put yourself out there. You have to be brave and have some balls and some guts to do it. But I think that's what life is about. We're not meant to just be complacent and sit back in the old Walking on Sunshine glory. It's, there's got to be more to it than that. And also, this is fun. And it gets me out there and it gets me talking to great guys like you who, who support us and, su- you know, support our music, which is what we need. We need you. And so, you know, Mitch, I want to thank you very much for that. I really do. And thank you for calling. Yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely welcome. And it's always, always a pleasure. I think we've been doing interviews probably for 15 years now or something like that. I know. And, and, and it's just, I know. It's just always, always a pleasure. And th- actually, you know what? Longer than that, because my daughter just turned 17 and when she was born on August 1st, 2203, uh, you did send an email that said, congratulations. So it's it's been at least 17 oh years. It's been at least That's 17 insane. years. God. That's insane. <laughs> it goes That's so insane. fast. I know, it does. Enjoy it. Enjoy every minute. Enjoy every moment. Absolutely. And keep, and keep yourself safe. And Mitch, thank you so very much. I really enjoyed our chat. Yeah, absolutely. Go back to sleep now. Yeah, go <laughs> go, go take a nap. <laughs> And you're you're yeah. in England. You're five hours ahead. It's like you know two in the afternoon. But anyway, yeah. go go enjoy your nap and uh, <laughs> a heart's love and a baby's uh, Katrina from Katrina and the Waves is available now. It is absolutely a fun fun rock record. A lot of great stuff on there. Check it out. And uh, there you go. Merci beaucoup. 
Oh, my pl- absolute pleasure. Thanks, Mitch. I love you. You Take too. Care, sweetheart. Absolutely. You too. À la prochaine. Bye-bye now. Okay. Bye now. Bye-bye.